Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I'm your co-host Iris and I'm here with my older brother. Wesley, hello. And today we are talking about Best Motion Picture of the Year nominee, Little Women. Now had we not done this podcast, I don't know Wes that I could have ever convinced you to see Little Women. It might have been on the lower end of my list for sure. So do you regret it? Do you hate me? Nope. Interesting. Because this movie gave me a lot to talk about. Yeah, I imagine we do. But can we start with um, Greta Gerwig and Lady Bird? Lady Bird, okay. Yeah, you saw that. Yep. And um, did that prime you for this? Uh, not really. It legitimized Greta Gerwig, I guess, for me, as maybe it did for a few people. And so when when Little Women was adapted and Greta Gerwig was in the director's chair, I was like, okay. But did we need another Little Women? I don't know. This is the only version of Little Women I've ever seen. Did you read the book? Nope. And that will factor into my discussion, as a matter of fact. Not having read Little Women, I wonder if this movie was intended for people solely who had read Little Women. It did seem a little insider to start with. I felt like the filmmakers expected us to have immediate rapport with these characters. Maybe necessitated us. Yeah, because they didn't. I felt like they didn't earn it. I tried to read the book. I had maybe two false starts with it. Because as you know, in my horrible commute, I go through lots of audiobooks. I just couldn't get into it. Maybe because the world was the world was so intimate and insular and small and I gave up. I never read it. Fine. It was like 150 years ago. Yeah. But it's supposed to be like Americana. It's a classic. Okay. So. Is this movie a classic? I think this movie, well, I mean, do I tip my hand? No, not yet. Okay. I think that it's worth talking about. I mean, it's a Best Picture nominee. It has a couple of performance nominations. It's got costumes, like costumes are pretty awesome, I could say that. Chock full of stars. I agree the period stuff was pretty spot on, yeah. at least as far as immersion goes, mm-hmm. as silly as some of the costumes were, mm-hmm. I think it was period appropriate and it didn't feel stagey false to me. Uh, I'm not sure how, how you know they did with the accents and everything, but I was caught up enough so that I made it all the way through. They let the period fall into the background. They just kind of let, they didn't have to like make it a character or anything. No, the backgrounds and the costumes and the period, they didn't make a character. The modern themes of this movie, they definitely made a character. The two diatribes on feminism and uh, how repressed women were, were definitely in your face, in close-ups, spoken almost directly to the camera by two different characters. That was noteworthy. Whereas less timely or prescient themes in another adaptation of Little Women earlier on definitely wouldn't have been handled that way. Mm. You didn't feel that way? Um, well, let's see. What were the feminist themes? I believe the first one was Amy uh, talking to Lori while in Paris about how terrible it was to be a woman trying to succeed. And if she couldn't be great, she didn't want to be anything at all. And how marriage was a financial proposition. Mm-hmm. And the stratagem of women was not to be expressive or artistic, but rather to fall in line with societal norms if they wanted to prosper. Um, she said it approaching the camera and 
set it almost directly to camera. And then later on, Saoirse Ronan's character, Joe, was talking to Laura Dern in the attic about how she just couldn't go on being a woman anymore and how much she hated it because of how restricted they were in society. Her, seemed, her diatribe seemed almost opposite. She was saying how lonely she was because of her convictions and her beliefs in feminism. That was the focus of, her, of what she was saying. It ended up being tangential to the fact that she was frustrated being a creative woman in a man's world. And that she was so frustrated and perhaps so tired of pursuing that, she wanted to give up. I have a lot I want to talk about. Well, one, in that conversation, I never felt like Sersha's dynamic with Laura Dern was familial. In fact, I didn't feel like Laura Dern was motherly toward any of the girls. And I think it was this affected thing that everyone was doing, where they all spoke kind of formally and, oh, I, I love you and missed you so much, my little women. So that conversation, I think I was really distracted by the lack of chemistry between those two characters. Secondly, I was thinking, when I was looking back at that conversation, where did Louisa May Alcott's life end and the fiction begin? I don't know. Not having read Little Women, I don't know if the Joe character was supposed to, it was meta, but I don't know if Joe's character was supposed to be Louisa May Alcott, if we were, if it was proposed that that was a pseudonym, a, pe- a nom de plume, she was writing about herself, but at the whim of the editor, she was willing to change what was supposed to be her real-life circumstance. Fine, I'll marry the Frederick guy so that the viewers or the readers will be happy. But wink, wink, nod, nod, I'm only doing this because a man in my repressive age in society says I should. And really, you know what Joe is really doing and how self-sufficient and creative she really is. Um, I'm going to get a lot of flack for this position. But in that conversation, too, she talked about how she loved Timothy Chalamet, and then she was like, actually, I don't really love Timothy Chalamet because he loves my sister, but I kind of like this other dude, or at least if this other dude comes back into my life, I'll like him, or maybe I'll like him for the book, and seemed just counter to her position on feminism and her independence and her liberty, but also confusing with the book and the fiction and all that stuff. The question of whether or not the Joe character wrote the novel of Little Women, I think it was supposed to matter. It didn't matter to me. It was a clear perspective from an unconventional source, being women, a group of women, uh, who didn't, you know, at Joe's own admission, didn't do much. Uh, They just sort of lived their lives. And there was nothing salacious. There were no murders, uh, you know, nobody, there were no scandals. Well, there was a love triangle. Yeah, but... uh, That's kind of juicy. Yeah, but in, especially in the case of uh, Lori, who went through pretty much all the sisters at one point or another, it's just kind of proximity, right? It's what it's availability. So naturally, if there there are tensions with one, and then there's, there's another warm March body close by, maybe switch to that one, and, and you just cast wide and see what works. The point I'm trying to make is that the question of whether or not the Joe character wrote the book, and if it was this meta thing where Louisa May Alcott became the fiction didn't matter to me as much as it didn't matter exactly what was happening with who and when they jumped around with the nonlinear sort of uh, oh my gosh, yeah. the the um, the presentation of the film was definitely nonlinear and we were supposed to have followed closely along 
Now I went through this movie a second time just to make sure what I missed. And I did, upon second viewing, some things were cleared up for sure. Oh really? Okay, that makes sense. But I couldn't keep track of the haircut the haircuts and I couldn't keep track of the color timing. And so I felt that that was important, but my initial instinct upon seeing the movie for the first time was galvanized by my second viewing, which was that more things made sense, I just ended up not caring. Um, one of the only benchmarks by which we could kind of gauge what was happening when it was happening was Joe cutting her hair. And so from short hair to long hair, you can sense when things were happening. Right. But Beth's illness seemed, it must have dragged on for years. I think she had like two major bouts. So she had scarlet fever and that supposedly, Kelly had pointed out that that weakened her. Cause I said, she's been sick for years, long enough for Joe's hair to grow back all along. And she, Kelly said, well, it was explained that the, the scarlet fever damaged her heart. And it was just an ongoing condition that ultimately she died from. Oh. And and by that point, in trying to, to decipher and untangle the nonlinear uh, presentation, I just kind of stopped caring. Huh. Um, okay, because I thought that like, like cancer or something, scarlet fever goes into remission and then it like came back and took her out. I don't know, because maybe just like chicken pox, if you get it once, then you're okay. Because everybody else was fine to be around them except around her, except for Amy, who was sent away to live with Aunt. March. March. That's right. So you saw it again, more made sense to you, but you cared less. The choices made by the filmmaker, and I have to think that this was this was firmly rooted in the director's chair. I think it was too deliberate for it to have been an editorial afterthought. I don't think they thought, you know what would make this presentation more interesting is to stagger the timelines and to really change it up a little bit. Because mm. we're, we're going along with the people who read the book and they will know, so let's make it interesting. I think it was deliberately planned to be this way and I think to the detriment of the movie. There are times when we are aware of the director and it's the director's choice and it works. But I felt like there were moments in this where the director was making herself known. Notably when the characters spoke to the camera and read letters. It took me out, but I was taken out well before that. Those things that were self-conscious definitely took me out. But unfortunately, a lot, a lot of the scenes where I think the director intended to be invisible, I was taken out. I can think of a handful offhand like when Sersha and um, Lori, Timothy, go like dancing. Mm -hmm. They're like romping in the courtyard or yes. something like that. And I'm like, I don't even know or care, care about these characters. And it seemed like, I think they just met and then they go romping in the halls, which felt really false to me. There were these moments where I felt like the characters wanted to, the filmmakers wanted to imbue these scenes with life and it, and I, and, I, and I felt like it was too heavy-handed. There are a lot of scenes when the girls and the women are sitting around in their kind of private quarters, like when they're rehearsing their play mm -hmm. or when they're just chit-chatting and doing each other's hair and stuff like that, where they were, they were attempting to imbue it with all this life and vitality and fun. They were whimsical and creatively expressive, right? Right. But when the editor at the paper read the pages, the original chapter of Little Women, he said, you're right, this isn't very interesting. I don't think it would be good. His daughters uh, went nuts over it, and, and in the movie, that ended up being the reason that Little Women was printed, right? Not for stuffy old uh, male newspaper editors, but rather for the women who didn't have a voice in that day and age. So, 
by that extension, were was I, as a man uh, in the modern age, supposed to be enthralled by the Little Women story? I was, uh, you know, to some extent. It was whimsical and they were creative. And the Little Women story was presented compellingly enough that I sat through it all the way and watched it over again, mostly trying to kind of isolate the technical things that annoyed me. But I agree, the, the filial sort of connection, especially to Marmee, Marma, Marmite, I think the Laura Dern character never felt like a mother. She never. felt like a, she felt like a caretaker. And for a while, I, I even I wondered if she was their mother until uh, the dad came home. I wasn't entirely sure. That and they looked nothing alike, but fine. For each one of them, I think they were each serviceable in their roles. Sure, they were, were great. There were definitely some standouts. We've been trying Emma to make Watson. Emma Watson a serious actress for a long time now. I'm not sure she's ready. Did you think she was strong? I felt she was awfully wooden. Really? Well, that was a little bit her character. Her character was the saint. She was the evolved sister who, who married for love and fought the system in her own kind of quiet way and was like a mother to her sisters. If her performance seemed wooden next to, to Sersha, who I've called Sorrice for I don't know how many years, then I think that was intended. I liked Emma Watson in this role. I mean, I maybe I was just distracted by just how beautiful and cute she is. I think that she stumbles a little bit over an American accent. Well, why were they all speaking in American? I was basically I was like looking at all of these actors and I was like, why are they all talking funny? They're in New England. I know, but Sersha's not American. No, not even close. Emma Watson's not American. No. The uh, the actress who plays Beth is Australian. Timothy Chalamet's not American. Nope. This faux uh, cultured European tinged dialect, but supposedly period accurate. The high society was kind of faux European. Yeah, boy, they were the poorest people in that high society, right? They were like right on the fringes. They could associate with the lower class all freezing in the slat cabin with no insulation, but they could also rub elbows with the uh, with the Lawrences. Right, right across and pass through their estate on the way to the Slack Cabin. Yeah, man, no, uh, no caste system in turn of the century New England, right? But let's stay with the acting. Um, Emma Watson, I, I'm not sure she's ready for the big time. I thought she was a fine Hermione. I haven't seen anything so far that's made her stand out. Yeah, she's adorable and all that. Saoirse Ronan, on the other hand, is probably this generation's Meryl Streep. I watched her accent very closely. We saw her in Brooklyn with her more naturalistic accent. I thought she was fine in Lady Bird. Has kind of a unique look. You're looking at me funny. But I would give her about a 98% accuracy on the American accent this time around. And, okay, not Meryl Streep? How about this generation's Kate Winslet? Kate Winslet's got some gravitas. I don't know that I could say the same for Saoirse Ronan. I think that this was a lighter-hearted character. I think it's a lot in how she's directed, but I found her to be really substantial in Lady Bird, and equally here. Uh, Meryl Streep, notably, in a lesser role, I thought, with all the eye-rolling and the... It wasn't flashy, but I think Aunt March was fairly one-note as a character. She was mean and she was bad, but also a touch of tender. She never quite reached the uh, Dowager Countess uh, Grantham role from Downton Abbey. She wasn't quite that clever. She was just kind of old and snarky. And eye-rolly. Yeah. It was kind of like Meryl Streep's role in Evita. Didn't see it. She kind of shows up and she's like, I'm Meryl Streep and I'm gonna lend a whole bunch of credibility to this film and then she pieces out. I, I don't know, I, I, 
Saoirse Ronan doesn't do it for me. She didn't do it for me in Lady Bird. Her modeling, angsty character thing in New York or whatever, just, I, it didn't resonate with me. Um, Brooklyn, I thought was so super boring in its attempt to be adorable. So I, I don't know. I don't agree with you about Saoirse. I, I would say something similar about Timothy Chalamet, who is amazing in Call Me By Your Name. And I expect, I expect and expected, I expect a lot of him in his career. I expected a lot from him in this film. I think that his Laurie character was a little bit um, a function of the story and not so much a three-dimensional character in and of himself. He was a catalyst. And the thing that all the Marsh sisters rubbed up against, literally and figuratively, to kind of establish who they were as people, he was sort of their foil. He's not exactly a hunk. I will say that when he got fierce and he was like, Fred, blah, 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 during the thing and like spilling his drink and when he would get all up, like, when he got all mad at Joe for turning him down. And he was kind of foppish. He, right, but he was forceful and he was, I, I think it really came through how upset he was and uh, he didn't seem just sort of foppish and feminine to me in, in those moments. So yeah, I, I liked what he did in this movie. Yeah, I mean, it was all right. It was serviceable. Given that, he, he, like you were saying, he was intended to kind of be a foil to the sisters. I did think it was a little weird in his storyline that he was this driving force, especially with regards to Joe's story and her evolution. And then once he gets engaged, or rather, once he's married to Amy and he tells Joe, hey, like, you were right all along, we were never meant for each other, he basically drops out of the story. Yeah. He's, he's, yeah, he's done with, as they kind of all do when they get married. Once um, Meg marries away, then she is not free to go off with Joe and, and start a life in a different city where she can work in a factory or whatever the case may be, and they can be interesting forever. She sort of falls off, and I think that was kind of the key. Their individuality and their creative fire sort of perishes when each of them settles down. Does it matter if Amy is going to be a renowned artist or not when she, once she gets married? No. She always knew that she was going to marry well. Um, Meg disappears when, when she gets married and is relegated to a sort of a secondary character and it is only Joe who forges her own path uh, un, un, unencumbered by uh, a partner, you know. The shackles of marriage. Yeah. Uh, continues to, to shine and, and, and ultimately um, makes important the story of her and her family. Hmm. That could have been a message. I mean, it was a message. Yes. Both overtly and kind of in that more subtle story sense. So, well, what about Meryl Streep? There's a lot of value to understated roles and how well uh, people can blend and become a part of the picture which will enhance something larger and she doesn't need to shine or, or, or steal the scenes. So I feel like Saoirse Ronan is a capable, capable actor who can find a home in almost any roles. Hopefully she gets an, uh, a chance to really stretch her legs and do what, uh, what she's really good at doing. But Meryl Streep is renowned for her acting ability. Has there ever been a time, because you balked at my comparison, that you thought, oh, that's why Meryl Streep is who she is, because this is what she was meant to do? There's no way to dethrone Meryl Streep at this point. I mean, she's already firmly ensconced into the pantheon of the greatest actors in the world. So what was the, the performance of hers that moved you? Meryl Streep? Yeah. Oh, I mean, there are lots of roles where Meryl Streep has blown me away. The first that comes to mind is Bridges in Madison County. I love that one. That actually stands out the most in my mind 
for her not flashy suburban housewife. And by suburban, we mean rural Iowa, right? Rural Iowa immigrant. Right. Her time to shine is in her restraint as a sort of repressed Italian immigrant. Yeah, it's one of my favorite roles. Probably my favorite role of hers. Yeah, she melts into that character. Yeah, it's awesome. Not so much into Aunt March. She was just, like I was saying before, Aunt March is just kind of eye-rolly and snarky, and um, I thought that she was doing more with her face than she had to do. I think she was meant to be an emotive spinster character, kind of unlikable, and that's why she was old spinster Aunt March, who was kind of mean to everybody. Maybe that's, you know, stop talking to Laurie and get back on this wagon where we're supposed to be kind of thing. So we talked a lot about performances, and I think that this film really isn't much more than the sum of its performances. And I felt like the performances, especially in conjunction with one another's, didn't do it for me. And then there were all these really surprise, weird one-offs, like, where did Bob Odenkirk come from? Like, seriously? And then, like, I love Tracy Letts, but like hide him in a hide him under some bushy brows and a mustache, and then I liked his character. I thought he was really appropriate. Bob Odenkirk, maybe not so much. <laughs> what was that? So well, I was like, uh, "What's Saul Goodman doing here?" But m- more than the characters um, making sense and fitting and disappearing into their roles, I just kind of viewed this as an exercise in in movie making and how you can get together good people to try to do a good thing. Uh, of course, Laura Dern was in. Noah Baumbach's marriage story, right. and Noah Baumbach and, and Greta Gerwig are a couple, so here she appears in Little Women. Is it a coincidence? I don't think so. Uh, Bob Odenkirk was with Laura Dern's dad a, f- uh, a number of years in Nebraska. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. great movie. Yeah, so you know, there are all these connections and friendships. Obviously, Greta Gerwig has a relationship with Saoirse Ronan, who she uh, got to star in Lady Bird, and... Uh, you know, I feel like she just kind of pulled the people together that she knew that would add credibility, and, and certainly Meryl Streep is, is no small get, but in a fairly small role. And in a movie that I think should have worked better than it did, to your point. Yeah, basically great pieces, like great ingredients, but maybe just kind of a funky soup. It looked good, um, and all the ingredients are there, all the ingredients we love, but yeah, good analogy. It all came together and tasted just a little bit off. There were a lot of pieces at play in this movie. A lot of a lot of cool people showed up. I don't know how effectively it comes together. So the question of whether or not Little Women as a novel is effective and compelling, I think is kind of irrelevant. As presented in this movie, if it had been told in a straightforward, more linear fashion, none of the tricks, none of the direct-to-camera, fourth-wall-breaking narration or the letter-reading, would this have been a more effective movie? Would it have been as compelling? I think the story would have been fine, and I think that scrambling up the timelines mucked it up quite a bit. Hmm. I have to confess that I feel a little guilty about not supporting Greta Gerwig. Notable that this movie is nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. Now, Greta Gerwig might have been the standout this year as the lone female director had she been nominated. She wasn't. It was all white dudes. But I don't think she deserved it. Which I can't say as a woman. Like, I feel like I should support her on her gender alone, which I think is kind of the opposite point of feminism. And I really want to, I mean, I want to get behind female directors, female filmmakers. I'm one myself. I think there is, like, weird competition between women where there should be more support 
and maybe I just have a diff different or more kind of male-leaning sensibility, but like, I don't know. I, I just, so far, her body of work, her oeuvre, so to speak, um, hasn't done it for me. Accolades where they're warranted. Unfortunately, nowhere else. There was a pretty good crop of movies this year. Little Women did not stand out among them. I'm sorry to say. So then what's your final verdict? This movie was kind of meh for me. There wasn't enough in the story, not to take the position of Tracy Letts' newspaper editor, but if there had been something more interesting to hang my hat on, I would have cared more about delving in and untangling the timelines. Because if you understand and follow the perspective, you would have seen how this influenced this, but nothing really happened. I was fine watching the performances. I was fine going along and uh, sort of a, a classic presentation with a modern twist. Fine with all of that. Um, it wasn't enough for me to recommend this movie. If you happen to see it, that's great. But I didn't love it. Yeah, not enough for me to... I think I wanted to be swept away. I think I wanted to like it. I went in with low expectations because I had heard some bad reviews. And it, it wasn't, and now I feel all bad. It's like, it wasn't bad, it just didn't deliver. So I think it was kind of boring. Is that a bummer? Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. Um, I just think that they aimed really high and missed a shot. Can't be ignored and it can't be brushed, swept under the rug. Uh, can't gloss over the fact that there were problems with how this movie was presented. Right, now that being said, I have a feeling that there are gonna be people who vehemently disagree with us. I already know some who love the movie, who thought, who said how delightful it was. So, I mean, you know, we, we just maybe happen to kind of align on some of our feelings about this film, but I bet there's a lot of people that would tend to disagree. And if you're one of those people, I mean, I guess we'd love to hear from you. We have a voicemail number that you can call us at, 818-835-0473, or you can always email us at orwhatevermovies at gmail.com. Um, that's our discussion on Little Women. Thanks for listening. I've seen this movie twice. If you have arguments, I can back up my own. Come at me, bro. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for season two of the Wanna Bet podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that season two starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric Acid. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.